Hello and welcome to the 26th Spool.ie podcast with Mr. McGill. Hello. And me, Mr. Wheatley. We've had a ridiculously impressive month of cinema releases here in Ireland, so we're going to get stuck right in. Most of these have been out for a few weeks, so there's likely to be a few minor spoilers, so if we're talking about a film you're yet to see, then just skip ahead for a few minutes. First of all, here's a man who has a day named after him in America. Dr. King, morning, Doctor. Can you get a statement, please? Morning. Morning. While rageful violence continues toward the unarmed people of Selma, while they are assaulted with tear gas and batons like an enemy in a war, no citizen of this country can call themselves blameless, for we all bear a responsibility for our fellow men. I am appealing to men and women of God and goodwill everywhere, white, black, and otherwise. If you believe all are created equal, come to Selma. Join us. Join our march against injustice and inhumanity. We need you to stand with us. So there we heard a clip from Selma. It's a film that's going to be coming out at the start of next month. And if you couldn't tell by the voice, it stars, or it's about Martin Luther King. And instead of kind of doing a biopic piece overall, they're just looking at one specific moment in his campaign for civil rights. So it's kind of getting equal voting rights. So they wanted to pick um, a kind of standpoint where it was like most racially, where the where was the most to be gained. So the uh, settled on Selma, which is in. It was Alabama. quite a me. I was quite interested in that that they had all this kind of almost like a media strategy of like, well, what's going to be the most impactful? And you were saying that a very similar thing happened with Rosa Parks and yeah, that it's it was all kind of engineered. It is like to a degree a publicity stunt, and, it, and like it, the film's good in that because it's it shows some of King's flaws and it shows like yeah, he was all about peace and everything, but he knew the power of the camera. And if there's an image of a white guy smashing some black person's head in or a woman or an older woman getting attacked that's going to be around the world and eventually that is kind of what happened the pressure from the media campaign put pressure on the president gave them bad rep around the west, rest of the world and, and that was... and they showed that front page of i think the new york times where oprah winfrey was kind of getting pushed back she was on the ground poor devil um so it's directed by eva duvernay which is a woman and we were kind of making point of this earlier in the month. Um, it's there's a lot of talk because it got snubbed at the Oscars. No directing, no main actor nods. It's up for best song, I think. Best song, um, yeah, and best picture, yeah. But it's kind of that classic thing of there's nine pictures and there's always like, well, how? Well, if it gets the best picture, how come the director even isn't even considered? I always don't like that that there isn't then nine best directors. You know, um, yeah. We're, we'll have an Oscar podcast next week, so or next month. Yes, uh, so we won't get we're into have it much. Yeah, and the Friday before the Oscars where we can debate all these kind of categories a bit more. But it's kind um, of annoying. It seems like real publicity stunt whereby you can put that label across your f- more films, which says Oscar nominated for Best Picture, so more people will go and see it. If they're looking at a yeah. you know, theatre or posters, they're like, oh, well, that was nominated for an Oscar, so we'll go see that. Yeah. And um, it starts David um, O. Yellowio. I'm having problems pronouncing that. Is there anyone on hand who could maybe help me kind of yeah. get that sorted? I'll just play this for you now. One if second. you will sing it with me now, repeat after me, okay? <clears throat> oh, yell. 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 O
Yeah, so that was Brad Pitt there at a recent <laughs> awards thing. Uh, it was pretty good. He's looking well, actually. And you were saying he's the executive producer on this. Yeah. Following up from his uh, work as producer on um, 12, 12 Years a Slave. Last year. Continuing Can telling go stories two two? about the American uh, civil rights kind of movement and fight against slavery and everything. And yeah. yeah. So. Uh, the film is very good. You kind of, with a film like this, it does kind of pull on the heartstrings and it gets you very emotional. Like, I think at times, though, it didn't kind of create it didn't capture too much like everybody's like martin luther king amazing speeches and while it didn't have the big speeches like there wasn't the march on washington and stuff like that i don't know if they fully caught his amazing oration skills or something um i think they did once it was at the few uh the funeral scene where he gave the um where he gave the the, the homily, Eulogy. as we yeah. call it, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I I felt I thought that was really moving. Um, but other than that, they didn't really focus on it enough. I think for him now, it's a fantastic performance. But they're happy to show the warts and all kind of look for things. Yeah. Um, and like you know, they bring into stuff like the fact that he was um, maybe a bit of a womanizer, a little yeah. bit, and stuff, which is stuff about him and Gandhi as well. Um, these guys aren't perfect. Like they're they're no, ordained yeah. as absolute saints, saints and yeah. so I commend them a little bit on for for doing that a bit. But it's still a a quite positive kind of yeah. And, and like and it does touch, I suppose, because into the negative wee bit where he's riling all these people up, and then they're going out inspired, and some of them are getting shot, or, and he's off somewhere else, and it's like oh yeah, and he comes back. Like it kind of captures well, I think, how he must have felt that weight of like well are these are these people's blood on my hands as well you know i've kind of got them geared up and everything i just thought it would have been maybe interesting to like they don't actually focus on the march which i think took three or five days to actually to go on this big walk from selma to montgomery which is the state capital to make their protest and against voting rights yeah so anyone doesn't know like and there's a wee bit of stuff before that where different celebrities turned up and then you were kind of it goes into like uh, here's real footage of the march i hated that yeah it goes into the music video for with the song from common yeah and um it uses montage uh, archive kind of stuff and makes a montage out of it mm. and it is i i think it, it ruined the film nearly for me like mm. i was really on board enjoying everything and then they turn it into that sappy kind of thing and you're and taken me, completely then, out of it i was like yeah i, I wouldn't mind actually seeing some of these people's stories on the march mm. and like if they had it done maybe they could have told it in the way like we're on the march and do flashbacks back to the start of it just to get it because in a way we know the martin luther king story to a degree so kind of maybe get it a sample of ordinary life for non-famous celebrity kind of black people to a degree. Yeah, and a great range of um, white actors playing racist people as well, which I'm sure when your agent calls, it's like, I've got a really uh, great role here, but you're playing a racist policeman. But you're on screen loads, and you get to hit Oprah with a a baton. Yeah. So you're like, okay. Um, Yeah, very good. It it was interesting, though, because it brought up the question. We're not that we... I think I I flagged this before anyone, though, that... um, and then the Huffington Post stole my thing that it was the whitest Oscars in a long time. And they're all talking about the fact that no director or actor has been nominated for the first time since 1998, I think, right? But also screenwriters, unless you um, bring in the, the team behind Birdman, um, they're Latino, and like Gonzalo yeah. uh, uh Alejandro Gonzalo Inyaratu, um 
so that's his team. But aside from that, like that's about the only bit of diversity in there, and it's mm. lots of lots of dudes. So anyway, the film that did get six nominations was um, American Sniper, which you saw and weren't too impressed by. Beforehand, I actually thought this was going to be a um, a really good film. I was really looking forward to it. I loved the the Hurt Locker is one of my favorite things from the last couple of years, and that kind of last ten minutes of the Hurt Locker when Jeremy Renner's character comes home and hangs out with Kate from Lost for a while and they go to the supermarket. It's a really brief scene and um, we see little bits of him trying to readjust and a little bit of the effect of the PTSD on him but then they just cut cut to black and he's back at war and it's just mm. a simple thing and you do understand that everyone gets indoctrinated completely mm. and they don't know any different. But that's um, almost better. That, that, that scene in The Hurt Locker is brilliant but that, that's almost better I think than, t- than the entirety Absolutely. of American Sniper. Yeah. And like some people are alluded in reviews that they handle really well. Yeah, know, I've been really spoiled. Like, I think it was quite irresponsible the way, like, you know, the, the everyone's referred to as savages. They turn these people into like cartoon characters because dealing with anything. Yeah. Now, like, we've enough perspective on the war on terror that we. We we can we can understand a little bit more, a bit more nuance about what's yeah. right and what's wrong, and both sides were incredibly wrong about everything. Whereas this felt like a rewind to the like some, about two thousand two, where it was all gung ho and let's go, yeah, whoop ass and everything. So yeah, I, it, I really it, it, want it's just propaganda for America. There was an interesting article in the BBC last week where they were saying how it's really spurring up uh, a hate hatred of. Um, Islam people and Muslim and Islam culture in America, you know, and I was kind of like oh, pissed off by it when you come out after and you're like, this is just flag waving nonsense. But then you're kind of like, right, well, Clint Eastwood directed it and I haven't really liked a lot of his last films. And, you know, he was born not to be ageist, but he was born like before the war. Yeah, he World was he II. was ten years old. He yeah. was incredibly influenced during so, World War Two. He's a totally different generation, and I think he is very much like well, it's right and wrong. He was famous for his westerns and his cowboy films, so I think I I was really like, yeah, I'm not really surprised about it. Like everybody loves Mystic River, which I really didn't like. I had massive problems with the morals in that film. Letters well, from Iwo Jima was kind of racist yeah. as well. But then if the you Japanese. think back to all his like Dirty Harry films, it was just like yeah, we'll just shoot the guy, and. Whatever, who cares if he's innocent? It doesn't You're matter. You're not going to take apart Unforgiven, are you? Unforgiven is hard to. That's the last one I think, I, and I did kind of love that, but I much go back and watch that now with a more. But even in that, there was the concept of a guy who had done wrong and didn't want to yeah. go back into it, was brought back into it. And like to me, like I was, I was at the end of this, there's a spoiler here, but like it's a true story, so. If you kind of have paid attention to the news in the last couple of weeks, you or you will have heard about it. Like, so it's about Chris Kyle, and he's the world's most, um, the American Army's most deadly sniper. And when he comes home, he gets involved with this kind of rehabilitating, uh, injured war vets. And then at the end of the film, it's terrible. It's really amped up to give you a twee. And I didn't know the story going into it. The end of it. I was like, what's going on here? And I was like, your man's going to kill him. Like, because he picks a vet up and then it goes to black and this white postscript comes up being like, he was shot on the 9th of whatever, you know, by somebody he was trying to help. And I was like, it would have been a much more interesting film. Go into the depth. I wondered whether there was legal reasons that the screenplay couldn't really, because it's an active trial. There's some sort of people contesting and the guy hasn't actually been sentenced, I don't think, yet. Oh, okay. Um, but, like, the fact that somebody... And then the scenes at the funeral as well, with everyone being out on the bridge with the tricolor. With the flags, and with the the, heroes, where is it's the ha- go? Texas, that... Is it the Dallas Cowboys? The Dallas Cowboys Cowboy Stadium, yeah. 
Um, it was like a bit the, much. The, the fact that somebody who had killed possibly 250 people in a foreign country then comes home to get shot by somebody yeah. he's trying to help. You know, there isn't, you maybe don't want to delve into that. And I it's don't, ironic and hilarious. Like, and, <laughs> you know, I felt guilty then for, like, being pissed off about it to a degree. Because, like, he has a wife and kids. And I actually don't think Chris Kyle was a bad person. I almost think he was a product of his environment. Where he was real pro-America. I'm doing my job. Love God. Kill the bad guys. But, you know, I, I think Clint Eastwood is almost using him. And is more savvy and could have put out a, more, a much greater film. Yeah, I think the last time I think that I'd seen Clint Eastwood was him directing that chair at the uh, Republican convention. So I guess we should have maybe known, there should have been warning signs. Um, But uh, anyway, um, kind of irresponsible, but, you know, a lot of people have gone to see this. This has made huge money in America, and it's going to be some people's kind of film, and that's fine. You know, fair enough. Um, We'll change tact a little bit, and um, Kingsman... The Secret Service, Kingsman, colon, The Secret Service is out today. And um, this isn't an Oscar-worthy film at all. This is... Um, it looked kind of fun from the trailer, but after reading your review, it's like, oh, right. Yeah, so I, I called it uh, Spy Kids, Spy Kings, 2D, so two stars for this. Um, yeah, so this is Matthew Vaughn's uh, first film since uh, X-Men, first class. He's been produ- executive producer or something. No? Um, no, this is Matthew Vaughn who went through all, like, you know, he's gone from Layer Cake, you know, uh, Lockstock, he was producer and writer and all these kind of things. And then, you know, X-Men, first class and everything. And, um, and it's the young James Bond... A rapper, or like he kind of looks like he's Plan B or something. Um, no? I have no. He's just an, a beginning Kid. actor. I'm not too a sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like Matthew Vaughn. I don't know. His films used to be. I'm trying to think back on when I saw like you know Lair Cake and Snatch and Lockstock and all that. I know they're Guy Ritchie, but Matthew uh, Matthew Vaughn was in same there. same kind of family and that kind of thing. And I'm trying to go back and think about them. Like, are they this kind of chauvinistic, kind of juvenile? As, as this, because this really is ridiculous that it's like Michael Bay levels of, I'll just give 13 and 14 year old kids the laugh and like, let's have a joke about anal sex, you know, and um, it started out kind of well. Um, I saw it with Spool contributor Mick McGovern as well. So we both were the same. We were near people who... Um, who found it really hilarious, which made it even worse. Like, they just would laugh at Like, they found this so, so funny. So, um, I'm curious to see what kind of business it does. It'll probably do really well now, and I'll say... And it has been getting... And did really you say, is it coming from a comic book, or is it based adapted on... Adapted from a comic book, which I um, which I, I don't know whether the tone is in there as well. But, um, yeah, quite disappointing. But a, an amazing cast. Like, um, we get to see... Sammy... Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson has great fun in it. And there's a few weird things that I just didn't understand with him. And he has a lisp, which is a bit offensive to people with lisps. But it's really funny anyway. Mark Hamill is in there. Mark Strong. Michael Caine showing up as he does. Yeah, I was reading a review and I was like, Mark Hamill, does he mean Star Wars, Mike? Mark Hamill? Yeah. All right. So it's quite cool. Um, And then there's one or two women in there, but they're not given much to do, obviously enough. Mm. That wouldn't be very... uh, Wouldn't be very good. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, It... I I listened to Mark Kermode's, uh, he was talking about Transformers actually in Michael Bay and he said that his quote is that um, people can say that Michael Bay makes films for teenagers but I review films for grown-ups. So um, I quite like that. You're just going to steal that. I'm just, no, I'm I'm crediting him with it. So uh, yeah, Um, 
want to avoid so go yeah. see Selma instead of Kingsman we that's to basically go see Selma. yeah well you've a week to go so there's plenty in the cinema though another one that I've got as well um, we'll take a clip from it actually this is um, Ex Machina is that my pronunciation What's it, what pronunciation do you want to go for yeah cool. Ex Machina do you know what the Turing test is yeah I know what the Turing test is It's when a human interacts with a computer. And if the human doesn't know they're interacting with a computer, the test is passed. And what does the pass tell us? That the computer has artificial intelligence. Are you building an AI? I've already built one. And over the next few days, you're going to be the human component in the Turing test. Holy shit. Yeah, that's right, Caleb. You got it. Because if that test is passed, you are dead center of the greatest scientific event in the history of man. If you've created a conscious machine, it's not the history of man. That's the history of gods. Um, the history of gods. Very profound line there from uh, Caleb, played by Armand Don Gleason. So uh, th- we saw this, uh, it was playing the IFI uh, 10 days ago. Uh, just having, I guess it was an Irish premiere or something, but it was on sale to the public. Um, as a bit of a launch and they had Alex Garland the director and uh, Donald Leeson and uh, Brian Leeson and Brendan Leeson were also in the crowd which was kind of fun because they're all working on and I presume Mammy Gleeson was there but I yeah, don't know what she looks we like we don't know um, who she is so anyway uh, the film is Alex Garland's first directorial effort and um yeah, he has written uh, Beach. different screenplays and been involved in things like The Beach, 28 Days Later, Sunshine, 28 Weeks Later, Never Let Me Go, and Dread. All films that are kind of set in this, not necessarily uh, in the future, but have this kind of alternative vision of where the world is going, a more dystopian kind of negative place, um, yeah. where there's a kind of brooding sense of something kind of happening. So, Does it um, ever mention a year, actually, just as it's that in Ex Machina? I am. I don't think so. No, I actually think it could effectively be almost present day or very yeah. near future, almost because there's nothing really in it that's completely that's too far out. Like because this is takes place on an island. Uh, Donald Leeson's character works for a company who are effectively they're called Blue Book. They're like a mashup of Facebook and Google and yeah, exactly, Twitter. and yeah, and Amazon and this world of like us giving them all this data and what they're doing with. So they make plenty. They've plenty of jokes and laughs with the fact that there's. Uh, that they have all this info and we search for stuff and people are able to profile us completely. So why not just kind of engineer that data? Um, and for people who kind of think about, you know, net neutrality and, you know, the openness of information and everything, and then that these companies actually respect that, it makes a great joke at the fact that they just will do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, it'll be a good one good, for so. conspiracy theorist buffs. Uh, yeah, so anyway, Oscar Isaac uh, plays Nathan. So he's a, a kind of reclusive kind of wacky CEO to be fair like he's a guy who he's got a big fuck off beard oh it's fantastic isn't it like and he you know and nice shaved pumped. head and glasses and he's kind of yeah so he drinks a lot and he parties all the time and as Caleb says you know oh it's like oh were you partying hard last night and he's like um what was it oh no he, what was the party what we celebrating yeah, he's like what, what party what party yeah yeah so he just he lives in this reclusive thing more or less by himself he has he has a um an assistant there who kind of lends a hand. And so he's building this uh, cyborg or Android or whatever you kind of want. She AI. is um, and with, with an AI. So uh, the 
the, the goal being that Caleb has supposedly been brought there in order to test and put this through a little bit of rigorous sort of testing to see if it, if he's able to kind of hold up um, as a source of AI. Yeah, and I made the joke beforehand that, you know, obviously with any uh, film that talks about androids and artificial intelligence, the whole question is, is Donald Gleeson actually a robot? Is that the twist or is Oscar Isaac's going to be the robot? And they kind of play up on that. They have a bit of a joke in the film about it to a degree. And like Alex Garland was making the point after the film, it's hard to be too original with something like this or like the, the audience yeah. is very savvy and... A really smart audience nowadays. That film, people who go and see films like this have seen Blade Runner and they've, you know, they, they're in tune. They watched her last year and they know how where these films are kind of going to go. Um, so I thought that was very clever. He also said an, an amazing thing that he said that the whole... Um, the message that directors are the be-all and end-all of filmmaking is bullshit and it's all just a marketing thing. Mm, um, and that's totally it's all a collaborative, collaborative thing, yeah. which is really great. I do still think it's entirely him and he, you know, he was being a bit disingenuous about his own skills Yeah, because there, but it was, it was honourable that he... Yeah, I'd say there is a degree of like, what do you think? But if Dolan's like, well, how about I wear a dress for the entire film? He'd be like, fuck off, no, you're not. You're yeah. not doing that. Yeah. You know, so, but it, it's honest of him, kind of, you were kind of making the point, I wonder if he hates... Uh, yeah, he did Danny reference Boyle. Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle, who effectively launched his film career and didn't really mention it. And I wonder whether that was it, that he, when he saw Danny winning the Oscar for you know, Slumdog, he just kind of got sick. Yeah. Or Danny Boyle directing The Queen um, at the Olympics. So um, anyway, yeah, Alicia Vikander plays uh, Ava. And uh, she is fantastic. Like, I don't know what, uh, as a performance, how difficult that would have been because because of her physical performance, she has to kind of obviously wear a certain suit that a lot of it can be... Uh, rendered out in mm-hmm. in visual effects and stuff because you can literally see the kind of wet wear yeah. gear that she has and see and and it's such an alluring kind of physical form that you're kind of drawn into it you know because yeah we, it is very a lot of, of us sort of fell for scarlett johansson a bit in her and you can even see her so if you have this i don't know there's a very uh it's a very interesting film like the way she's this sort of subservient being and then she is she who it becomes this three-way game of chess like who's playing who and there's so many like one, like one-upmanship of like well i've just tricked you and now i'm gonna you know get out of here and mm-hmm. screw you and then it's like no well, uh, uh, yeah. i'm gonna use you to do this and you're gonna do that so because does anyone else have a line of dialogue no there's because another there's a montage at the beginning uh, as he travels there but I actually don't think anyone... I, think someone, I don't think there's anyone who speaks. Oh, yeah, that was in a text message. It's like, oh, bring me... Yeah. Yeah, could be an interesting fact. I was a bit disappointed with the kind of last two to three minutes. Uh, I was like, didn't need those. It was a bit pointless in rounding it up. But I think that's just me going back to the horror kind of genre. Like, yeah. it could have ended. We won't ruin the end. Yeah, no, we won't ruin Maybe could... just for the last minute or two. But yeah. if you have seen it, I think the ending... I would support the ending, and I think it was needed in order to, you know, come full it circle. It ties back into the start, but I'm kind of like, oh. it, yeah. it creates a doubt, though. There's like a thing where I'm like, you, you don't, how did they do that? How did they get off? How did they do a certain thing? And I was just like, it's just nonsense, you know, why? Well, yeah, anyway, you didn't mind. Um, No. So that was it. Um, anyway, no, I was just trying to look out. There's a dance song in it as well, which uh, is phenomenal. Oscar Isaac and, um, and his I can't remember his what the Japanese. song is. No, that's what I was trying to remember. I thought I had to uh, scribble down, but 
I don't really know. Um, a, a quick word as well. We're not going to fit it in. Um, Alicia Vikander, uh, who plays Ava, is also in the Vera Britain adaptation, Testament of Youth, which is a film set uh, during World War One, which it's I don't think anyone has seen. a lot better than it looks. Yeah, not as cheesy as it would look. It has Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. and um, Game of Thrones. Very, very angsty. But um, you haven't seen it, so we won't dwell on it too much. But I'd actually recommend it. And she is, she's kind of Swedish or some sort of like Scandinavian English. And I don't know, I she might be the woman of the month for me. <laughs> ah, fantastic. Aren't you running Well, she had two films award. as well, you see, because um, we'll talk a bit. We can talk about it now. Do you want to talk about Oscar Isaac's other film that came out? Yeah, go for it. Uh, J.C. Chandor's A Most Violent Year. Um, I have a clip, so let's play it. <laughs> this is probably one you're going to regret. Excuse me? My husband's an honorable man. We're not who you think we are. I think I know your father. Good for you. My husband is not my father, not even close. So if I were you, I would start treating us with a little more respect or I guarantee he will make it his mission in life to ruin you. This was very disrespectful. Right, so that is A Most Violent Year, the film that won the National Board of Review Movie of the Year last year in the US, which kind of came from nowhere. Like, no one, not many people had seen it when that was announced in early December and um, beat, you know, Boyhood and Birdman and stuff. And everyone was like, oh, who, mm. who's this guy? So it's great for JC Chander because he's directed two other uh, films, All Is Lost from 2013, which had um, Robert, Redford. Robert Redford and a boat. Doing a bit of fiberglass film that I uh, did. You see all this last? No, still watch not. It. I should definitely tune in. Yeah, because you like it. You, we watched Margin Call. Uh, Margin Call twice years ago. The, yeah. yeah, and so Margin Call then from 2011. So um, it's a film that is about uh, New York in 1981, um, and Oscar Isaac uh, plays Abel Morales, um, a businessman who's married to a mobster's daughter, but he's a legit businessman. He's trying to keep it straight and he's trying to buy... He's trying um, to break in. He sells oil and he's trying to expand his empire, yeah, so but do it by not becoming a gangster. Yeah, so he's trying to buy a plot of land, which is like some sort of oil holding facility on the water. And um, so his goal being that if I own this, then I can cut out the middleman. I can bring, I can be the guy who orders, you know, the 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 ferries and all this kind of thing. So he's trying to do it legit. He's trying to borrow the money um, and, you know, buy it from these awesome Hasidic Jews um, and they meet in caravans and stuff. So, um, so it's great. His wife is played by Jessica Chastain. So it's very much about their relationship and the dynamic between the two of them and how difficult it is in some ways, like mm. running a business together, but also you know because like it starts to fall apart to a degree stuff starts going a bit wrong and then there's this battle between him and her where because she's the mobster's daughter she's like well we can get it done this way and he's yeah. like no we're gonna do it properly and try and it's it's me i just thought it was fantastic i only saw it the other day um, i might kind of it's a busy month so you, some Absolutely. stuff falls by the way so, yeah 
I was um, late on Whiplash as well. You can, you know, it makes sense. But it's nice to kind of see these things yeah. when they've been put into context. So it's it's about two hours long. And when I watched the trailer initially, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, but this looks a bit heavy. It's kind of boring. I thought the two hours absolutely flew by. It's really tense, but not in a... Like, I was recommended to somebody at work today, and I was like, it's not actually a violent film because they don't like violent films. It's just, that's a reference to that year in New York, it was the most killings and rapings in its recorded history, I think. So there was this... Yeah, sin- before or since the most dangerous, so... And um, Oscar Isaac is fantastic. He's almost, you know, I wonder if he's modelled on a young Al Pacino from the Godfather type films. Like, I definitely think so, between the hair and the coat. And everything. Yeah, and he's a wee bit smaller too. I think he's like five foot six or something, or five foot eight maybe. Yeah, and such that. a different performance to what he does... In X Machina uh, as well, so yeah, um, and it's fantastic. Like, I was kind of this is maybe a bit uh, simplistic or kind of stereotypical, but Jessica Chastain falls into almost this Lady Macbeth type character where she's kind of pushing at him to go this, and he's like, No, I don't want to do that, you know. But and the ending, I'm not going to spoil it, but you're kind of like, Oh, and then something happens, you're like, What? And I was, it's so tense, and, and yeah, and one of them was kind of proved right, and all this, so and it also stars, um. Our Selma character, uh, you learn. Oh, Yellow. Yeah, uh, he's the DA in it. Um, yeah, it's the brilliant. District of Tiny. Yeah, and Mel Brooks. Isn't uh, he Albert his Brooks. Albert Brooks? Yeah, he's kind of going back straight. Oh, he's kind of he's very good as well. He's straight as an arrow in it. Yeah. Um, so it's good. Like I mean, this was shot by uh, the same guy who shot Selma, uh, Bradford Young. Um, who is probably, he'll win the award for Cinematographer of the Year. He has no Oscar nominations, but, yeah. but screw that. So he did, uh, shot my favorite film last year, Ain't Them Body Saints. Ah. And so he shot all that with like 100-year-old cameras and it looks uh, not 100-year-old cameras and candlelight. Whereas with this, he's shooting it on um, digital Larry Alexa cameras with lovely kind of yellow hues. Like, and it just, it's a really warm but cold because it's yeah. set in winter. So everyone wears big coats and they're always freezing looking and... Jessica Chastain's cleavage is kind of clamped, you know, pushed up, and I couldn't see big the glasses, Deirdre Rashid glasses, and everything. R.I.P. Uh, yeah. I couldn't see, see the way the... I called her Deirdre Rashid there. Bit of respect, you know. Yeah. I don't. I never supported the Ken reunion. But no, it's fantastic. That is up there. I'd say it's my favorite movie of the month that I saw in the cinema. Is it a five? So I gave Ex Machina five, and I gave The Most Violent Year four. Um, I'd be given the other way around yeah and I'd probably only be given X Mac in a three and a half Sorry. it's very good but it, uh, for me I'm like uh, yeah so you give this a five you yeah give the, the full marks top marks um, another standout film that's been getting uh, well actually most of all year got no uh, awards kind of consideration aside from those critics awards at the end of the year but uh, Whiplash yeah J.K. Simmons no yeah is pretty much a lock to win the best uh, important actor Oscar so let's hear some of them in action. Listen up, cocksuckers! Hurry the fuck up. Get your music. Irene only, set one. Rhythm section out first. Tanner, the kit is a fucking tonal catastrophe. Get it in tune, all right? Rhythm and soloist, bar 45. We're going to pick up the tempo there, all right? Bar 106, brass. Do not forget we sharp that ninth. Everybody remember, Lincoln Center and its ilk use these competitions to decide who they're interested in and who they're not. And I am not going to have my reputation in that department tarnished by a bunch of fucking limp dick, sour note, flatter than their girlfriend's flexible tempo dipshits. Got it? One more thing. Eugene, give me that. If I ever find one of these lying around again, I swear to fucking God, 
I will stop being so polite. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. Stage right, in order, now. I can still fucking see you, Mini-Me! Delightful. Uh, do you have any teachers at school like that? No. Um, it brought back to memory some that I had, but they were never that crazy. Um, yes. Very like um, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, a lot uh, of people were kind of... Lee Ermey, was that his name? Drawing that uh, connection. It's yeah, a, so it's about a kid who is um, trying his best to be a drummer, and it stars uh, Miles Teller. He plays the kid who's... And he's... Is the school a real school, or is it just a representation? would say it's real. Yeah, so he's at this musical school. It's kind of like fame. And uh, except everyone's a bastard at it and, you know, hate you. So J.K. Simmons is the conductor of this uh, band, a uh, jazz band. Miles Teller was in Footloose. Just ah, on the, the subject of, of fame. Actually saw the fame remake of that. So there you go. Um, yeah, and so everybody's aware of his band and once basically everybody at the school is trying their best to get into his band. So he sees Miles um, playing and gets him to come in his band. But then it turns into a series of mind games between uh, J.K. Simmons trying to get the best out of Teller. You know, he's kind of like... he, And you can tell that. It, you learn pretty quickly. It was like, that's probably not the case. Yeah. And like, you know, he, he brings him back in. He kicks him off the drum kit. He's like, this guy's better than you. All in an effort to get him to be his best. And he tells this story of... I think it was a jazz drummer or maybe a bass player who is recording a session and he does a bum note and the main guy throws a cymbal at his head and nearly tucks his head off and he's like, that's not good enough. And there's yeah. these stories of James Brown. Was it Charlie Parker? I think the so, bird. yeah. He, when they had, James Brown would often have his band and they would play and if he played a bum note, they'd get fined. Mm. Like $50 for every bum note they played. So it's just kind of examining this concept Taking of... Taking the fun out of music, in other words. Like turning it into just... Yeah, well, like it's this thing perfection. of like to be the best, you know, like we see yeah. a lot of bands and they're just kind of like, oh, they're grand, you know, it's about being in a band, but he doesn't care. Like, the, the, wasn't there a poster in the jazz school that like failures end up in rock bands or something? Yeah. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Wasn't there a poster or some sign up? So um, you're kind of like, yeah, it is that thing. And a lot of people say, God, the guy, J.K. Simmons plays his novel dickhead and whatever. But I think the kid is a horrible character. Like, he, yeah. they really marry each other and they see themselves. They're ridiculous. And that's why they push each other so far. And like he's end almost up one of them, you know, they screw each other over at different points. And, you know, they always think, ha, I've completely won. And then yeah. in the end, it's more or less just kind of like, yeah, because you're watching and it. And you're like, right, you can just spend your whole lives together then, clearly, because no, you won't have any other friends. So, yeah, there's kind of the thing. Um, you would almost think that the kid is a bit autistic or something, kind of, because yeah, he can't really... Did you really... have any empathy with him No, at all? none at Or all. anyone. The dad is about the only person the dad, Because even the, the cinema, he has a girlfriend in it in the beginning, the... Yeah. Um, Miles... What's his name? Um, Whiplash Andrew? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, but I thought they used the father brilliantly, because at the start, it's the two of them going to the cinema, and the father gets knocked in the back of the head with a popcorn, and he apologises, even though someone else... And the kid, Andrew, Miles Teller, looks at the person, goes away, and you can tell he's disgusted by his dad. Yeah. There's a brilliant dinner table scene as well, where he kind of rags and all his cousins, and he's just like, you're all just really mediocre, and he's playing for a shitty third-rate team. He's just like, I'm going to be the best drummer in the world, you know, kind of thing. And you're like, those people are the best they get like that. They mightn't have any friends and, you know, eventually go crazy. I was yeah, thinking... As, as happens. <laughs> I thought the film was going to go a weird route at one point because... It's, it's not really a spoiler. 
you learn that one of um, J.K. Simmons' past pupils has died. He's committed suicide, but he says he was killed in a car crash. And you only realise later that he actually committed suicide. It's maybe because he was put under yeah, so much pressure. I would pressure. like to see a bit more about like what where Simmons. But I was wondering, from, like, for Fletcher, case, where Fletcher, yeah, actually kill him. And I was like, oh, is he going to murder this guy? And he's actually yeah, a crazy maybe. murderer or something, yeah. you know? Because you're kind of watching it and you're like, yeah, this is very good. But like everybody's raving about it. And you're like, oh, right, okay. But it's the last 20 minutes where you're just like, wow. It's just, yeah. it's amazing. What did you think of the music in it? Like apparently there's this thing that jazz fans and musicians aren't overly delighted with. I thought it was phenomenal. Like the editing during the scenes, like the jump cuts from the, the way they visually represent the songs um no i thought it was pretty good was, was he playing all that himself um i presume so yeah he's that's obviously a bit crazy very that's quite the dedication yeah. for yeah miles teller is really is is brilliant in it like he he was in the spectacular now which is a film that no one really saw it was a summary kind of film and um, from a few maybe two years ago and then did you see rabbit hole or were you away oh no i didn't Nicole see that. kidman I was aware of that. Eckhart, uh, kill a kid and this no 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 sorry their kid is killed by Miles oh yes person. and it's so kind brilliant of brilliant drama thing. he's the yeah. teen in that who actually um who accidentally killed their child and there has to be a relationship there of him trying to apologize but um he's really good and he's a bit more a bit more empathy from rather than here where just a bit of a dick um did you enjoy seeing um the dad as well paul riser just from random it's one of those faces uh, yeah he looks familiar and everything i always get him mixed up with the guy who's in mad about you or is he the guy in mad he about you is the guy okay in cool yeah it's like that guy from birdman who was in that uh, batman and uh from oh that was michael keaton sorry. yeah speaking of birdman yeah um i read a thing in science and magazine where they did this whole appraisal of michael keaton and they just sort of pitched it that yeah he hasn't really done anything since beetlejuice and batman um, and they were trying to say that, like, Multiplicity, remember that film? I quite like Multiplicity. Nearly, yeah, whatever, years ago, that that was sort of a bit of a career point. And then there, there just wasn't a whole lot in there that he's sort of done since. And um, I kind of think he's almost playing Beetlejuice in Birdman. He's doing that crazy, you know, oh, oh, freaking out. Crossed a little bit with the Batman stuff, obviously, as well. Um, yeah, what uh, Birdman like was a funny one because it came with such high hopes, and the trailer pitched it as this groundbreaking kind of film, and um, it is hard. Like it stuck with me, and I'm trying to think if if I think it's perfect or if I do actually have problems with it. Like I, th- I, I don't think, know. I think I the did... performances are fantastic, and it's a good. It's not really that original story. It's like a play being put on. And it's a whole examiner, examining actors, and there's gets a bit preachy at times. Like it has this insane, insane close-ups. Certain times, there's a bit when Emma Stone is going off insanely at her dad, and it's like she's about to like her eyes are butt. about to pop <laughs> yeah. out as well. Yeah, she's really good in it. Like she's an um, a rehabilitating drug addict, and I think she's really good anyway. She got a best but... supporting actor nod, as I foretold, but it was for this and not um, yeah, not for Magic in the Moonlight. Magic in the Moonlight, which um, you still haven't watched. No, but um, yeah, she's part of a huge ensemble cast alongside Ed Norton, Ed Norton, Zach Galifianakis, Naomi Watts. I'm still deciding if I'm going to lump my Oscar money on Birdman for a clean sweep. Like Ed Norton, I'd be like, yeah, okay, Michael Keaton, sure, and best director in picture. I had a bit of a outside thing that maybe I thought Selma 
for best picture would win best picture as momentum, a token it, to is. be you know yeah, um, Birdman won at the SAGs I think last week so that kind of they've predicted that you're at the SAGs the best film I won't yeah retort. and the tags as well I yeah. think is a, is a good indicator as well um, so, you're so no it's very good it's boyhood. yeah well I don't know um, I just liked it because bigger picture stuff like it's about someone who's under insane pressure as an actor trying to get the career back on track and it's not his head is like broken like he's a really really sick man who can't handle real life and is trying to cover it up and like push himself incredibly hard to do this mm -hmm. thing and ends up literally shooting himself in the head and um, yeah the film's been out a month so it's like spoiler it's kind of, well no this stuff happens after you know but i want to talk about miraculously yeah, but I don't think somebody was making the point to me. That Turn off if you haven't seen the last three minutes of it. So that they think everything after he shoots himself in the head is fantasy. And I'm like, but no, it's not a fa but like, who's fantasy. Yes, who's fantasy? Like, who is having this dream? Because if he dies, he's dead and he's not having it. And why would anybody else have, you know, I was just like, no, it's not a fantasy. It did really happen. And I like that it happened. Like some people think it should have went to black after he shoots himself on the screen. But you got a, Zach Galifianakis is fantastic in this. I was kind of pissed off he didn't get a best supporting actor nod. Um, skinny Zach Galifianakis now. I think he just has no beard. I think that's the only difference. There's not a whole lot of difference. Anyway. So um, you got a brilliant role where he's like, oh, we've made it. We're fantastic. You know, we, we're going to run forever. But then there's a stupid thing where it kind of looks like, um, oh, he's fine and it's happy ever after. But he throws himself out the hospital window. And I was like, good, because it's, yeah. it's not happy ever after. He has mental issues and he is suicidal, so he kills himself. But then there's another daft bit where Emma Stone comes in and it's like, because the whole way through the film, Michael Keaton is kind of resolving or battling with this Birdman character. So he has these hallucinations that he can fly and that he actually is a superhero. And Emma Stone's reaction to when he's jumped out the window, it looks like he's transformed into Birdman is the way. And I was like, that's just stupid. Like, it makes a bit of sense because Emma Stone is quite unhinged as well. So it's just like she can't cope with the fact that he's killed himself. I'd say she jumped out the window after him, after she <laughs> smiled. And that's where they cut. Um, I hated yeah. that ending. Like, it legitimized. I don't know. I don't know why it had to do the fantasy thing by showing him flying. Like, she looks up rather than down. Yeah. And you hear her like, oh. you're like, oh, great. So she's happy that he's dead now or that he's free um, some people take the whole film literally which is great um, but I don't think you can because there's a couple of <laughs> scenes where like they, they allude to it quite obviously that you can't like the taxi man is the obvious one because yeah, after yeah. he flies into work yeah. they cut well they don't cut they move the camera they pan and then they pan back yeah. and the taxi man is like that is kind of a nice trick you're like oh, I, done going without, on for I don't think they needed any of the actual physical manifestations of Birdman like, oh right no I meant the trick of like making it look like it's one continuous shot uh yeah but didn't really didn't do much for well, me you're talking about birdman you're making it sound like you're giving it three stars no 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 it's the solid it's very solid uh four, four. but that thing of the ending really bothered me and also but not many people are even talking about the visual look i think more so um it's the actors in it that deserve all the credit it's, it like, is really all about the performances um, i think yeah yeah and credit to emmanuel lubeski um mr i think he won for gravity cinematography and the tree of life as well so it had one of my man. favorite lines of dialogue uh so far in the year where isn't naomi watts so one of the characters pulls out naomi watts is like oh i can get this guy for you and it just turns out to be ed norton and michael keaton was like what how, how do you get that guy how do you know him and she's like oh we share a vagina <laughs> 
I was like, brilliant. That's a great line, though. Yeah, no, it's very... It's If you're into the world of Hollywood and how these things are cast and relationships between actors, it is very, very, yeah. very good. I thought before the Oscars come out, it might have got spurned because it's kind of like a fuck you to the movie industry. Yeah. It's like, it's all... And what like, it does to you that yeah, breaks theater. you. Yeah, Like, there's a lot of jokes about superhero movies and how everybody's doing them. There's a dig at Robert Downey Jr., and that kind of so I thought yeah and Meg Ryan's plastic surgeon like do you think that was cleared with them no yeah that was funny though yeah uh, we have a few to wrap up quickly um, Wild very good film yeah I really enjoyed it um, don't take a bit of music from it or a clip um, it's uh, Reese Witherspoon and Laura Dern are mother daughter and you learn pretty quick that Laura Dern dies from cancer and Reese Witherspoon kind of went off spoiler went off the railings and so now she's kind of off, off, off the rails <laughs> go off the railings that was Birdman where he jumped over the railings yeah. so uh, she goes on this walk which is I can't remember the official name but you're basically walking from the Mexico America border up to the PCT. America Canadian border Pacific Crest Trail so when I was watching it, it kind of looks like an American version of uh, the Camino that everybody talks about. In, uh, but it's a hell of a lot harder. Yeah, it seems crazy. So it's basically her trying to resolve, come to get her life back together and come to terms with her, her demons. And there's a lot of flashback in the film to her talking with her mother and stuff going on. So this is a clip of that. Can you stop humming that song? What is wrong with you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? I'm happy. Happy people sing. Why are you happy? We have nothing, Mom. Nothing. No? We're rich in love. Oh, my God, please. Don't, don't even start with that. We're both waitressing full-time. Oh, we're students. And we're going to have loans for the rest of our lives. This house is falling apart. You're all by yourself because you married some abusive, alcoholic asshole. And then I come home and you're singing? What part of it do you not get? There's nothing I don't get, believe me. But then what? Cheryl, if there's one thing I could teach you, it's how to find your best self. And when you do, how to hold on to it for dear life. And this is your best self. I'm trying. Do I regret marrying an abusive alcoholic asshole? Not for one second, because I got you and your brother. See how it works? It isn't easy. Yeah, so Laura Dern's up for, we're getting into a lot of Oscar talk, but she's up for Best Supporting Actress nod, and I think she's fantastic in it. And I would even be quite happy with Reese winning her second Oscar uh, for this performance. I think it's, it's a really nice film. It's kind of like inspiring. It's a, it's a great kind of perfect January film. It's just like, yeah, get your life together, sort it out. And um, go for a walk. Yeah, it's entire. It's completely Reese Reese's piece, <laughs> um, because she I think produced it and seemed to push the whole thing over the line. Um, and she she's fantastic in it. Rips a toenail out, um, and she just you know there's no real defining other people in it. Like you know you've obviously the mother and the yeah. the, the the husband. And the it is kind of a no couple of people barred. that she meets, but it's all about that walk, you know. It shows her in her low. She becomes a junkie for a point, and you're just kind of like, yeah. And it is good because there's a brilliant bit where she's kind of going on this walk, and she's like, there's a bit of narration and stuff, and she's like, 
you would see the stuff she's done before is kind of messing her life up or whatever. But she's like, who is to say it did? You know, it's just like, maybe I was supposed to be a junkie because it's got me to here. And like, who cares if I slept with loads of different guys? I don't care. You know, she finds her, her purpose and she gets back on track. And I, I just thought it was fantastic. It's a really positive film. Yeah. And has a lovely happy ending as well, which is kind of nice. You never fear, like when you watch Into the Wild, which isn't a completely different film, but mm. a journey film. Um, but Christopher McCandless then you know you might know about that and he ends up dying at the end yeah. so it's a bit harder yeah. so the journey becomes like a pathway to you know death or whatever whereas this is a journey through recuperation positivity and everything so and the soundtrack's also fantastic I listened to the whole thing it's on Spotify if you're into that kind of thing brilliant so it's good bit of, bit of Paul Simon in there. a lot of Paul Simon yeah um, yeah so Foxcatcher is fine um, it's grand it'll be forgotten about you yeah it's gotten some people who really love it but mo- for the most part lots of people I've talked to are incredibly hateful toward it which I find funny yeah. and the theory of everything is good Stephen Hawking it's very amicable he might win the Oscar I hope he doesn't well yeah, yeah I'm just like Meh. no I have no problem I think he's just a bit young I think it should be like being president that um did you know we have a referendum on that that's the biggest news to me that um when oh, the gay marriage age. referendum is coming out we'll also have a referendum on the minimum age of becoming president <laughs> So what you have to be, to be uh, 21 down from okay. 35 or something. So I can go for it next time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. you would have had to wait. Well, you nearly would have qualified anyway, wouldn't you? But um, uh, anyway, so you're older than um, me. Eddie Redmayne is very good as Stephen Hawking. Um, it's a very soft. <laughs> this is weird. I often, I was watching his performance and it's a very physical performance. And I was kind of like, how did he do that with his mouth? Like his teeth were always very open and even getting into the physical mechanics of it it must be kind of exhausting yeah i don't know like because even in the beginning you know he kind of moves a little bit um sort of slowly and then you know he gets motor neuron and like slowly his body completely gives up on him and everything mm. so it is cool um and it's has plenty of laughs as well good january film to give you a kick up the arse being like stop being so miserable it's just like you've got two legs yeah get out and walk Go and write a book anyway movie moment of the month anything Mine is from Enemy, um, which uh, it's the final moment of the film. Um, Dennis Villeneuve directed this film. Jake Gyllenhaal plays two characters. It's a real, if you'll uh, beep this out, head fuck of a film because a whole lot, it's very, you know, straightforward. It's very Lynchian. Yeah, very David Lynch. Very straightforward in terms of literally what happens. Person goes from A to B to C to D. Then person, other person goes from D to C to B to A. They cross over a little bit, but then, you know, your head is a bit screwed because you're like, maybe they're the same person. Maybe this is all imagined and everything. And um, the big reveal um, at the end with the spider um, in my mind. And there's 25 minute explanation videos on YouTube that you can watch. That's very good, actually, describing it. It was kind of had 50% of the way there. A, B, C, D, D, C, B, A. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Uh, no, it's very so, good. It's absolutely And no bonkers. one was talking about Enemy. No. Like, this is so much better than Nightcrawler. Everyone's like, Jack Hill yeah. for an Oscar. Yeah. Nightcrawler. And Nightcrawler left me completely cold. And mm. uh, this is the film that he should have. So, J- so it's one of those films Enemy. where it came out in America in, like, what, 2012? And now it's only getting released. I think about... Ne- Le- yeah, it was weird because um, th- that film, Prisoners, wasn't it? That was Dennis Villeneuve's other film. Well. And then he, I think he made Enemy before that. But Prisoners got rushed out. So Maybe because the double was coming out. Yeah, um, they kind of got shelved. One for UK, one for America. But. So anyway, my movie moment of the month is a recent enough one. Um, a most violent year. There's a brilliant chase scene, and it, it kind of reminded me of um, the French French Connection. There's a chase scene, in it, but it doesn't involve cars. It's just people running, and it kind of brought me back to it. it's like, oh, it's like the end of the French Connection too, or that thing. It's kind of that classic eighties, you know, cop, but it's not a cop. It's a gangster chasing a hood 
Um, and it's brilliant. It's really tense. You don't know where it's going. And I was like, yeah, this is fantastic. Is that with the bridge? Um, it's when they've hijacked the, the car and he chases oh, them. Yeah, yeah, and then he yeah, just yeah. runs after him. Um, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. Very, very good. Brilliant. Um, cool. To wrap up that uh, little section, will we take a bit of music for a second from um, a most violent year. You were looking at the soundtrack. Um, Hang on, Alex Evert. Um, yeah, I thought the soundtrack was fantastic. Alex Ebert does the music for it, and it's like this kind of choral kind of like you can hear it in the background, and um, it's like Interstellar had a crazy organ in it, and it's like this is like what the organ sounded like before it went crazy, and it just it plays kind of throughout the film the whole way. And Alex Ebert, you might remember, he is the crazy man bun person from was it the Oscars for All Is Lost or was it the Golden Globes from All Is Lost? I think Lost? it might have been the Oscars. Yeah, so he's that everybody kind of went into a bit of a tizzy. When <laughs> because they're like, who is this man? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was it. So we'll take a little. We'll take a little. We're more or less. We're actually going to leave that music in the background just as we wrap up very quickly um, with a quick shout for a couple of films out in February. Do you have a pick? Yeah, mine is going to be Patrick's Day. Um, it's the new Terry McMahon film. Uh, very curious to see about it. Nigel was lucky enough to see it at Galway. Uh, said it was brilliant. So I have high hopes for it. It's coming out on the sixth of February. Yeah, and then mine also out on February sixth, along with Selma. That's a big day for cinema. Um, considering the rest of February looks a little bit uh, dry, we'll say. Um, is Jupiter Ascending the Wachowski siblings uh, film um, which stars Mila Kunis, Channing Tatum and Eddie Redmayne and um, yeah we'll just leave that bit of music in the background and we'll be back in three weeks time for our Oscar with special with Oscar special special guest special music special everything we might even Wait, head to Hollywood love the Oscars alright see you next time